Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britain. And I am Britain because it's not a full moon. Yet. So, still doing the when Halloween thing. you become Britain. Yeah, aware Britain. I turn into a British version of just myself. Britain. Yeah. So now I'm just me. Jellicle Britain. Um... <laughs> Everyone has something special about them on this podcast, and I'm just Britain. To you reverse engineered you my joke, Tyler. American I will not have that. <laughs> I'm walking through a hallway. Like to be part of the world I, around you. I don't totally know like what this is a reference to, but I'm assuming Twilight. Um, it was a, well, Life is Strange, but <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> just All being right. like the no. weird kid at school. Yeah, I'm on the right track. It's weird. Um. I we I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just swerve us here. Uh Alex, tell tell us things about the movie we're talking about this week, which is Scream 2022. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. Scream 202022. Um <laughs> not not to be confused with Five Cream or uh any other number of titles they could have gone with. Um, yeah. And also, arguably, the best uh, horror franchise sequel since Halloween Kills. <laughs> Danging with faint praise. You guys will have to wait until I give my recommendation at the end. <laughs> oh, snap. Oh, oh man, he's going to recommend God. that new X movie. Pearl is what it's called. I thought you were going to say New Mutants? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, I think, now on Disney+. Plus. Oh, see that. where Mickey lives? Look, yeah. everyone can suffer with us now. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. We should go back and review that movie again. That's weird because that's not technically a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. When I tried to watch that, it was just static and buzzing for like, yeah. Enough. I don't, you know, not... I think, I think legal obligation is a better descriptor for it than movie. <laughs> yeah. I would okay. say when it played, there was just a, a stenographer standing next to a lawyer asking me if I had any personal <laughs> connections that would uh, render me uh, in- inappropriate or biased in this uh, proceeding hearing. <laughs> procedure is another good uh, procedure. Thank you. I like I like that. Scream, not to be confused <laughs> with Scream, is from 2022. It was directed by Matt Bettinelli Olpen and Tyler Gillert. Yeah, there were too many names on this movie. <laughs> I know we're living in a world where everybody's got to have a directing buddy. The Daniels, etc. Mm-hmm. And then there are also two writers who are not the directors. Oh. How am I supposed... IMDB just becomes a series of paths at this point. Right. Anyway, the synopsis reads thus. 25 years after a streak of brutal murder shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, Caliph, a new killer dons the ghost face mask and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. Yeah, you can do that. Did I interrupt you, Alex? Were you going to say more stuff? Oh, go ahead. I'll finish it. No, that was that was it. I forgot. <laughs> that was it. That was the whole. That's the whole synopsis. It has a seventy-six percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an eighty-two percent audience score. I don't know what's happening. I know for the last few weeks we've lost our minds, but last week we didn't do the synopsis until the end of the episode. <laughs> So I think I just got a little trigger happy. I apologize. Much Look, like some of the characters can't forget in this movie. It this time. Look, I think, Tyler, you should start us off here talking about Scream, the movie formerly known as Scream. What did you think of it? Right. 
Uh, I don't think it's very good. <laughs> um, I so yeah, I I went in like being pretty on board and excited because I'd, I'd enjoyed all of the other ones to some extent. Um, and I I think it's my least favorite. Uh, I think I'll go ahead and put that on the table. I don't know where I'll land on it on it grade wise. Uh, but I I feel like it pretty consistently just kept driving downward for me. Um, I think the opening is a good place to start and sort of a microcosm of the whole, the whole problem. Um, because it, it is the opening that they've already, they literally parodied, the, parodied this opening three times in uh, Scream 4. Mm. Like it, it is, it, it has been done so many times in this franchise it has and, been done to death you might say uh, yeah uh and i guess i mean really the only like spin on this <laughs> so uh, this is a re- one of the reasons why i think this is a good example of the overall problem with the movie the gimmick for the opening is really just that the victim has a remote control security system and the the scream killer is a hacker. Ghostface is a hacker this time. They they hack things. Our, our Ghostface pair spoilers. Uh, I guess they they're good with technology. It's not really established like how and why and like what specifically they're doing that's so good or like where they're getting that from. They're they're internet obsessed. We learn later on, so I I guess that's something. But like it's kind of just like oh they do stuff with phones, um, which feels like the most bottom of the barrel like it's 2022 how do we update the scream franchise what if it's about technology what if it's about phones and the internet and there's i'll have to kind of take multiple pauses throughout this to separate like there's stuff that i do like that this movie does and some of the stuff with the way it approaches internet culture and fan culture is an is a neat kernel of an idea i don't like they do enough with it but we'll get into that um but the fa- just the straight up like oh the killer does like stuff about location finding with the phone and like that's supposed to be scary like it's not that interesting <laughs> to me just like right off the bat um and then our our victim tara uh gets stabbed multiple times and it's just kind of brutal and there's there's not really a spin there it's it's really the same thing like it, it's like okay she tries to lock all the doors. The killer hacks all the doors open and gets in and stabs her a bunch. And somehow she survives, which the opening ends with the killer like about to stab her again. Yeah. I don't know how that works out. Um, and it is also like she survives, which is which is different, but that's not really played as like a twist or, or something interesting. That's not played as it's not immediately setting up. Oh, here's the. Um, I guess the subversion of expectations in this. It, it doesn't really play like that. It's like, oh yeah, she survived. Um, and we learned that a good, a, a decent bit later in the movie. Um, we, we established some other characters first. Um, so it's like, yeah, I, I, that was weird to me. That was immediately like, I don't know what you're trying to do with this. Um, and it feels like it was it was a little bit too too much like any other horror movie where it's it's really enjoying the violence and the bloodshed yeah. and it's just like look at the gore and there that I think comes up several times throughout the movie 
um, where it's like trying to be too much like a good horror movie and it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not enough on its own to be that, um, that there's not really enough to it. I would argue from kind of like a craft perspective. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the atmosphere is, is lacking. I'm getting into a bunch of other thoughts I have on it, but that to me, right, right away. Like I really thought for a second, uh, that the, uh, part where, Tara hits a knife or, or something maybe she hits Ghostface. I can't remember exactly. Um, but they fall over and like hit the counter and fall onto the ground and like the knife tumbles. I was like, Oh, is the killer going to die? Is that yeah. going to be? Cause Alex, I think you mentioned that as like, that would be kind of a fun angle to it as if maybe there's two killers and one of them dies early on. Like, I like that. I like that idea. I think that would be fun to do something else and then flip that on its head. Like, like if the idea was, Oh, she immediately locks the killer out of the house because she has a security system. The killer doesn't know about. And the killer is just like waiting there when the cops arrive or something like (laughs) something that's different and something that's like, it's actually a lot harder to be ghost face with new technology because X, Y, and Z like it's people have security cameras. It'd be a lot harder to sneak around the way that ghost face killers typically do. Uh, and that's not that's not what they do. It's just like yeah, it's Ghostface, and now he has hacking technology. Yay! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Boo. Yeah, because the only yeah, the only real subversion is that she doesn't die. But eh. and, and she's she's answering questions about the original scream. Yeah. Or stab, quote unquote. Um, when the killer's asking about it, I don't remember if we did that in the 2011 in Scream Four. But it still is like Scream Four has three layered openings, right? Three openings within an opening, uh, making fun of the fact that this is the trope of the franchise. You can't then be like, "Isn't it creative that we mention the Stab franchise?" It's like, no, it's yeah. not. You've already. That's not. That's not a, a twist. That's not something fun. It's yeah. like, yeah, we get it. Move along. And it doesn't feel like going back to basics. It feels like just kind of repeating itself. Mm-hmm. I'll also say, and this is not, I don't know if this is a criticism or not, but like we talked in the last one about how some of the deaths were like too believable, like Alison Brie. Yeah. And I, I feel like uh, Jenna Ortega, who plays Tara, basically playing the, her character from season two of You, um, hmm. which is not an insult. She's a talented actor. But she's very early on, I was like, oh, so she's like sassy and like a know it all about movies. So she's her character from you. Sure. Um, she is like selling the heck out of getting mm-hmm. attacked. And it's very good acting, but it, it it's a little bit like, oh, this feels like a real movie now. Yeah. <laughs> like, huh, okay. This is a little yeah, the, upsetting. The way she's she is kind yeah. of screaming when she's getting like repeatedly stabbed and trying to crawl away, like it was genuinely kind of upsetting. Yeah, and that, totally. that was something I pointed out with the last yeah. The last one. It was just like, yeah, some of the acting feels like it's too good for right <laughs> for this this type of scene well because what yeah what i i really loved uh, in the first movie how you get a dose of that at the end with Stu, like matthew lillard when he has that line about i think i'm dying man you get that little dose of like oh this is becoming real to him and mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're kind of easing a little bit out of the movie to give it some extra gravitas not out of the movie, but out of the, the tone the movie has, but not so much that you're like, oh, now I'm not having fun anymore. Like, now I'm just feeling yeah. kind of icked out. And it doesn't in the last one. It's a compliment to the actors, but 
it does feel a little bit like, wait, this is like, I'm actually, I feel like I'm watching a character be like attacked and I'm not watching them. I don't know. It feels a little too, a little too grisly for me. But I might've had that at another point in this movie, but I can't fully recall. Yeah, I, I have a couple of thoughts. Sure. We'll get to them. I think I was probably the most positive on the movie overall. And I think my read on it is that the movie's really fast paced. Sure. I feel like some of the other ones were pretty a little more slow. Um, So I think the fact that this one just kind of really moved at a clip, I I was just like, oh, this this is just like a very breezy watch. That's kind of how I read it. And obviously I've I've been in a a kind of weird headspace watching these movies over the past several weeks. I think this is one of the better watches I've had with this set of movies, even though it's got problems. But the pacing threw me off early on because I feel like they, they did knock out a lot. Um, and there was a lot of exposition by teen, (laughs) teen group talks about like the backstory of these characters. There is a character. Uh, I don't even, do either of y'all remember this character? Cause they're in two scenes. Um, who, who is, uh, I think an ex boyfriend of live. Oh, yes. Already the outsider to this, group he, well and he's is like dating a, somebody wait his name, I forget. are you talking about the like the the gross biker guy who gets killed? yes vince, yeah who is played by kyle gallman vince vince who if Amazing. i remember correctly this is not his first uh brush up with a actually he's been in several different horror franchise yeah. shenanigans um the one i know him from he is in the nightmare on elm street remake oh sure with jackie earl haley from like 10 12 years ago huh okay um well i think he he had a fling with liv yes um and and so the way this oh my god he was also in red eye (laughs) sure (laughs) our next movie yeah um that's a deep cut what what was that britain is that the end of the scream 2 episode something like that deep cut two episodes (laughs) (laughs) um so vince uh shows up when they're all hanging out on the lawn of a high school as as the teens do um that's you know i guess supposed to be evoking the first scream um and they're all hanging out and talking about like the 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 original woodsboro murders and also tara because tara was their friend or is their friend she's from their friend group um and this guy shows up and he's like, hey, wouldn't you want to be with a real man? And uh, what, what's his what's his face? Who is Mindy's brother? Whose name? Uh, I Mason Gooding is the actor. He's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. I don't remember his character's Chad. name. Is he Chad? Yes, Chad. Chad really? Mindy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Chad is like, you, you get away from my girl. Yeah, that didn't that fling didn't mean nothing. And, and Vince <laughs> is like, I'm watching you. Um, and we that happens. And then two scenes later, they're all in a bar playing pool, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, and Vince is there again. <laughs> like, like they're all having a conversation and Vince shows up again and basically has the same interaction. He's like, hey, don't don't you want to be with a real man? <laughs> and John's like, go away. <laughs> and. And then he does. And then we cut to him peeing on the the bricks outside of the bar. Yeah. And uh his his car starts turning on and, and flaring at him. 
Uh, and then he goes and like looks in the car and he's like, Where, what's what's going on with this? And then yeah. he, he gets up and looks around and then the ghost face killer shows up and kills him. I just um, I thought for a minute because he looked there's shots of him staring at the headlights for about six minutes. <laughs> and I thought that Bender had turned into a wear car again from Futurama <laughs> and was about to attack him. That'd be pretty good. That'd be nice. Um, but yeah, this character never is. No one ever, I think, mentions. Maybe there's like he's like part of the body count at some point. Sure. Um, on the news, but like he just he is just gone. Like no. Yeah. It's a <laughs> it doesn't come up again. Like I don't know if it's supposed <laughs> to be trying to like make you think. Oh, maybe lives the killer. But like she, I think I, I think everyone's that together. Live was yeah, I think everyone's already together in the group in the bar, and that's like established. And like I don't yeah. know what that was about. <laughs> like, that well, was weird. That almost feels like how horror movies will frequently have the like easy death the death of like oh we're right we're gonna make a character who we get the audience to hate them very quickly by having them be just horrible and then we kill them so there's a little bit of like yeah sure. it's fun but it, but that's such a weird like it's, thing to it's throw like in there because like with with michael myers you know you, you have like he 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 stumbles across somebody in the working working alone at the car shop out on the edge yeah. of town and that's that's where he murders his first victim in the in the movie when he whenever he shows right. up like that makes sense like that's that's like okay he's he's wandering around he's a force of evil he's gonna kill anybody he stumbles across um and then in this like the, the ghost face killer has goals so it's like why did he kill that guy specifically and le- like, I mean, I guess we have to get into the killers at some point, but like somebody in the group is the ghost face killer. So I, maybe she was just like, ah, I'm going to kill this guy because he's a jerk. But it's yeah. such a weird it, that really stood out to me and like threw me off because it's such a weird like, doo, doo. OK, right. he's dead. <laughs> like, like yeah. it, well, he shows up, he dies. We don't really do anything with that. Like it, it then it's it's over. I don't know. That was that was really bizarre to me. A couple of things logistically speaking from the killer's point of view or at least one of the killers this guy just shows up and talks to this this group like he'll just show up out of nowhere so i could see i gotta take out this guy because he just keeps like he'll interrupt my plans he'll just show up when i'm i'm about to to score some major kills (laughs) Um, sure but then also maybe we need to get into the last jedi of it all um (laughs) but I, I did initially think that that was a potential, like, yes, we are completely going with subverting expectations, and that's, like, a thing we're doing in this movie, and that's just one example of, like, you think this guy's going to be a more active part of the movie, and no, we just take him out. Because he's that one note of a character. I don't know. Um, I don't think the movie really does enough of the subverting expectations yeah. stuff, especially when it's the screen franchise. It is built on making fun of yeah. tropes and subverting them. Like you're not, yeah, you're not nearly as smart as you think you are. But then when they do subvert expectations, do we? Um, it mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, David Arquette was was keeping me afloat for a good part of this. Man. <laughs> it's a darn good performance. I, I very, would say it's probably his best performance of all the films. And he's like he's the one who is bringing the same energy of the previous ones, but they don't, the teens do a lot of like, they joke and then they all just kind of stare at each other and like, (laughs) are like, what (laughs) dude? Yeah. What's that? 
Yeah. Where like David Arquette's like David Arquette cracks a joke about how uh, somebody, you know, he's pretty sure somebody is the killer because that that cut hurt deep or something like that. When yeah, they, they <laughs> that was good. Insult him. Um, that was and, good. Like, and no one laughs. No one like I'm just kind of like, huh? What? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> like it's it's really it's it's really jarring because he's a ton of fun and and he's clearly yeah. having a lot of fun with the part. Yeah, no, he does a great job. I I have really enjoyed him in all these movies, and it's stupid that they kill him. I I didn't I did, and and I think part of it was if he had had a more like overtly heroic death, if it had been more of a like he he literally is saving somebody while yeah. getting and he is killed in the act of saving somebody, or it was it, like he throws himself in front of the knife or whatever. But they they escape. And he's like, no, I have to go back and kill them because. That you have to do it, and then he takes too long to shoot them, and then he gets stabbed. It's like, yeah, it's just you gave him a dumb horror movie death. In in my yeah. interpretation, it's like you could have. I don't know if Dewey had died in a way that was very heroic. I think I would have been able to take it easy more easily. Yeah, I I was surprised that he didn't die like saving Gale, like jumping in front of sure. Like that felt like the natural way to take that. Yeah, but it, then it's <laughs> like again. The movie just does the thing that it... It's not even subverting expectations about where we talk about, like, a Scream 3 that they play with a lot of stuff and the ending's really over the top, but it kind of just ends up being samey compared to other horror movies. Sure. It's not. It doesn't really end up being something all that interesting. Uh, whereas, like, this... The entire movie, I feel like, just ends up doing... <clears throat> I, I think <clears throat> one of my big picture things that I took away from this is, like, Scream 2011, Scream Scream 4, uh, that did a lot of the things that horror movie relaunches of the time and that we have gotten since then. Like, it was ahead of the curve on a lot of those things. Like, I mean, it was it, it is about, like, characters in-universe trying to create a reboot. Um, it's bizarre. It's, it's people, you know kind of becoming obsessed with fame and like there is a little bit of internet tech stuff going on there in a way that kind of feels like it's going to age better than this movie um it is kind of a been there done that in terms of just like modern day franchise yeah criticism it's like that's the movie that did this already so now it's like <clears throat> it feels like that we're ignoring that movie and saying like oh we have to parody the other franchise reboots but we're just going to do that by doing the same thing those do um i guess that gets into the uh conversation mindy leads uh early on in the movie where she's like oh yeah you know halloween 2018 and those other movies what they do is is they uh bring back some legacy characters so that people think that they have nostalgia and then they kill them off and then they make it grittier and darker, whatever (laughs) she's describing what ends up happening in the movie without really. And she's like, and they add in social commentary that like doesn't or makes the internet mad. And it's like, uh, yeah, I mean like that. Yeah. But this movie doesn't really do social commentary. The movie also well, occasionally <laughs> gestures towards the existence of elevated horror without saying anything about it. <laughs> right. Just kind of like, yeah, we know that, which I believe, no, I'm thinking about Carpenter. I take it back. I had a quote, but that was from John Carpenter, not Wes Craven. 
But yeah. it's it's something that I feel and I don't need this movie to comment on elevated horror, but that is a big shift in what horror and thriller movies are mm-hmm. right now. So I feel like I understand the the wanting to acknowledge it, but it's just lip service. <laughs> They're just kind of mm-hmm. like, yep. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I think it feels like they're crossing into less safe territory, I guess, because they, they go beyond, like, we're attacking horror franchises. We're criticizing those. Because yeah. they specifically go, Stab 8 was a complete disaster that subverted all the expectations. They got the guy from Knives Out to do it. Yeah, yeah. And they're just... It's just like neon sign above the scene that goes, we're talking about The Last Jedi. Are you clear on that? And that was just like super frustrating to me because I'm like, okay, so now we're just talking about like franchises as a whole. We're not, it's not horror specific anymore. Yeah. And also the previous films, like, yes, we did reference specific like horror films and stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street and all that stuff. But to like basically just come out and say yeah we got ryan johnson to to he was made a movie in this universe it's very strange i don't think any of that really worked um aside from just trying to set up the toxic fandom angle which like you said tyler doesn't ultimately pay off i think Britton, you and i were discussing it a little bit beforehand and like it's not seated properly yeah it's not it's not really like they don't thread it through the entire film. It's kind of brought up in that scene and yeah. then at the end. Well, it's, it's something that I feel very strongly about just in my own life about how entitled audiences are right now and how um, much control audiences have and how much they think they have and how much they sadly do have over what gets made and how stuff gets made. And if toxic fandoms are a very real thing, whether you're talking about Rick and Morty or Star Wars or, or whatever, Game of Thrones and <laughs> and and not even specifically fan, but season like eight was fine the the, <laughs> the toxicity of entitlement within a fandom the thinking that i'm in i'm in a fandom therefore you work for me like it's sure. it's something I, that makes me really upset and that i feel really strongly about and so i i it just felt like when they start talking about it at the end of the movie i went why have we not been doing this for more of the movie like yeah I understand if they're like, we want to ad- admit that this is real, but if we talk about it, then those fans are going to come after us or something. Right. So a it's like bit. they don't really. I, I, not, not, I don't but know. We're going to make everyone happy by killing Dewey. Yeah, exactly. Like it just yeah. it felt like such a weird motivation. They decided at the end, but they didn't build to it all. And I don't need these movies to be super profound, but like, don't. I don't know. The, I remember I was talking about how they don't really comment on how black people are treated in horror movies outside of a little bit in scream Two, But this is something that they actually try to weave into the narrative and they actually try to use as a motivation for the characters. And so if you're going to do that, then you need to talk about it a little bit more and give more yeah. examples. And I, I think the scream movies work when they're very overt or they can work. Mm-hmm. And I, I w- it would have been great if they were just super overt about like, it's really stupid to yell at cashiers at McDonald's because you think the old guy in that bad cartoon is cool. Like, I think it would have been great if they had just like gone sure. for it, but you know, I, I or I, I don't know. I, I I just wish they had. From a structural standpoint, it wasn't very well seated. So then when we get it, it feels like wait, really? The monkey's his uncle? You know, just we're here now, right? But 
also from a commentary standpoint, it doesn't get to have any weight because you just kind of went, oh, right, here's this. Anyway, there's my uh, killer style monologue. Is that your motivation for stabbing us? Yep, it sure is. Well, it's a good thing we're... Uh, Ow! Splurt! N- not in the same Don't. room. <laughs> Aren't we? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Tell it's me something. through Skype. <laughs> What's your favorite franchise? He's a hacker. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite movie franchise? X-Men. Okay, that one's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dark Phoenix the best. <laughs> Yay! Trivia now we know, question. Now, I've now seen we know who the killer is. <laughs> And it turns out Simon Kimberg is the ghost face guy the whole time. <laughs> wow. Um, he, he's just like, this is the only way they'll take me seriously now. <laughs> he's sharpened his Oscar. and he's- Hey, that's another that's another angle that would have been more interesting than this. Um, <laughs> which I guess they kind of do in Scream 3. Sure, um, sure. But. Except it sucked. Uh, how do yeah. we feel about uh, Neff Campbell and Courtney Cox? They are in the movie. They are in the movie. Look, Neff um, Campbell is a rock, and she is both a rock to ground us and a buoy to keep us afloat. I love Neff Campbell. Yes. She's just absolutely been, been keeping these movies going. She, does she even get a cool final line in this? I know that Tara says, I still prefer the Babadook, and I was like, mm, Babadook, but, which is me. She has, I, she has some line after... Yeah. Uh, Amber like burns up where she says like something past about the like, torch past the torch yeah. and it, it's a very very uh, not not derivative what's the word I'm looking for um, contrived sure uh, it, it's a very contrived thing of like Amber goes to kill who spoiler is one of the <laughs> killers uh, goes to kill uh, Courtney Cox and then. She's like, you're going to pass the torch to me because I'm going to write the story about how we survived the murders. Um, and then she throws her back and like flicks on a stove with her palm accidentally. Amber does. Uh, and that's already like, OK. Uh, yeah, and somewhere along weird. the way, she got like covered in alcohol, I think. And so then she gets thrown onto the oven and burns. Yeah, and then shoots her. Because okay. the heroes can never land a headshot in these movies. They always have to right. shoot seven times and it knocks you back. I need to ask this question. So so Amber is played by Mikey Madison, who is also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and is one of the Manson huh. cultists who, spoilers for the end of that movie, gets killed by Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. She is specifically the one that gets set on fire <laughs> by the flamethrower. <laughs> Is the is that whole contrived end scene in this movie just a reference? It might I be. Don't think I mean, so. There's I even would a, not. there's even a very similar shot where she starts charging at Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell that seemed very reminiscent okay. of a shot from the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's bizarre. I did yeah. not realize that. That's very strange. That's almost like it's it's like you're. You're you're throwing away crucial third act beats to like pay homage to something that most people are not going to get. Yeah, from three years ago. Yeah, that's really weird. You you might be right. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe 
but there's there's nothing else like it. There's not she's not throwing out like Tarantino quips throughout the yeah, whole movie sure. or anything like that. Because I think that would have been something to be like, oh, she's like a, she is a film nerd, and mm-hmm. if she's supposed to be like a toxic fan, okay, have her quote Tarantino movies or little references yeah. like that, and just have all right, I you can kind of thread a needle there. That makes sure. sense, but. Yeah, I, I I noticed that. I was not like, from oh wait, she's the one that Leo DiCaprio sets on fire. That's <laughs> odd. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah that 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 is odd because it does feel it feels so pointed in mm. that direction, but it also that's the only thing that's in that direction. So it kind of like right. both arguments land. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, I. She was also on that show, Better Things, which I have not watched, but have only heard just sky high praise for. Um, and I, I think she does a, a nice enough job in this movie. It's. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, yeah, I didn't recognize as many of the teens because all the previous movies were, you know, at least eleven years ago. So they all cast actors who now have careers, and like it. We talked in every movie about how crazy it is the people they get that at the time were not that famous, and now I'm like, that's Timothy yeah. Oliphant. That's uh, yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, but in this one I was, and then I went, wait a minute, I recognize all of these people, except I didn't recognize her and I didn't recognize the woman who played Mindy, um, who is in this movie's Randy. Uh, Mm. but I otherwise like, I I know Mason Gooding and Dylan Minnette was in Dope Sick and some other stuff, Mm. 13 Reasons Why, which I haven't watched. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I don't think I recognize Liv from anything, but obviously Melissa Barrera from... In the Heights and mentioned Jen Ortega and Jack Quaid from Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I want, I, I don't know if I want to dive right into talking about Jack Quaid. We could circle back but if you'd we like. We can circle back. Listen, I'm always ready to talk maybe, about Jack Maybe Quaid. let's save that as our third act twist. Um, <laughs> Courtney Cox seemed like she didn't want to be here. She, no, seemed, I she seemed to like doing scenes with Nev Campbell. <laughs> I, mean, I don't I don't know I would go that far, but I don't I wouldn't say that she was like giving it her all the rest of the time, and I don't know that the movie really cared if she did or not. Yeah. Also, this might be out of line, but it does appear that she's had some kind of cosmetic surgery. Yeah. Between I, I, mean, I think that's number been the case. four and number five. I mean that's been so, the case for a minute in her life, yeah. So th- this I, is I, that was that was just throwing me off a little bit. That was sure. that was an adjustment I had to make. This is something that I I think reinforces that's a very superficial thing that reinforces something I was feeling a lot through a lot of the time watching this. And I think probably I would have liked this movie a lot more if I hadn't watched it back to back to back to back with the others. Sure. I think if I just like taken this on its own merits, I would have been like, Oh, that was kind of neat. Um, but I think it, that, that is one thing that I I think sticks out. It's like, okay, you know, she, she looks different now. Like she's, it is, it is a little distracting. Not that, that, you know it's any like shade on her it's just like, no it doesn't like affect her ability it's, to act you know a fact of the yeah um the time's changing since the last time they made one of these movies but like i think that a lot of this stuff about just just how obsessed the other movies are with the tropes and with yeah like <clears throat> actually doing stuff in the plot that is about interesting different things and and like trying to undermine horror movie ideas versus this being very surface level in terms of what the how it's kind of 
talking about horror tropes when really it's just kind of lampshading the things it's doing. Like sure. that, that frustrated me quite a bit. And I think I wouldn't have realized just how different it feels than the other movies. If I hadn't just watched all the rest of them. Yeah. There, there, I feel like there's a line in this movie, but it might be in the fourth one where somebody says, I think it's Gail, like kind of jerks her head at Sydney and she's like, she's the original or she's the blueprint or she's the whatever word they're using. And I mm. want to say it's in this one. And I liked, I liked that. And, and just to actually go back and answer your question, Alex, about how I feel Campbell and uh, Cox did. I mean, I think they're both good. I, I, Sydney's been kind of been phasing, phased out of these movies. She's in each one. It feels less and less yeah. as they go on. Which I think yeah. is understandable to a degree, and she continues to be terrific. I just, I feel like if I had waited eleven years in between the last one and this one, and came back, and I was going to get to see Nev Campbell play Sydney Bristow again, I would have wanted more from, not not that I would have wanted a different performance from Nev Campbell, but I wanted I would have wanted more room. I like that they give more room for David Arquette because he dies obviously, which I, I don't mm-hmm. like, but I like that I do think he does the best out of the three of them because he's given the most to do he's given the most of of an arc and he is just has the most screen time of them but it did kind of feel like i was watching uh uh sydney and gail like yep they're back there they are yeah cool. i felt like they made the mistake in three of having sydney barely in the movie yeah like it's really mm-hmm. she's just kind of shows up for the third act um so yeah just kind of repeating that it's very very odd um, but it is funny how like they, they try and make that Star Wars comparison in this when one of the biggest criticisms of those movies is that you never get a scene of Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford and Carrie yeah. Fisher together. And then they just repeat that. They're like, you're not <laughs> going to see the three of them together again. Right. Right. Yep. You're not wrong. Like, I don't, I don't understand why you would do that. And it <laughs> like, also feels cause do we, when he dies, he dies and then his phone rings and it's Gale. And I was like, that feels cruel. Yeah, that, like mm-hmm. they didn't have the. It would have been very like Walking Dead or and, something if they reconcile and then he dies. Right. But at least you would have been like, yeah, but you know, he went out getting to see Gale one less, like having this great time with Gale or, or something. But instead, it's like they kind of argue give, and then he dies. Like, give him a not Penny's boat thing where like he's, sure, he's sure. dying, but he's on the phone. Not Penny's boat being a lost reference for yes. for those of you who are uncultured. Uh, <laughs> me yeah season eight was fine guys <laughs> in fact it was good uh so that would have been neat if it was like oh he's telling he's warning gail about something yeah and she's able to do something because he he warns it but like no and that's another death that's like the killer stabs him from the front and back and like guts him oh, upward. Like him it's so like why much. what it, it's not even they're, like we've t- we've we went through the Halloween franchise, even going through this franchise. Like we've talked about kills that are interesting, where it's like mm-hmm. the the setup for how they get caught, or the setup for what actually kills them. You know, Michael Myers. We've talked about his murder pranks. He does he does yeah. weird stuff, uh, and like this movie's had some had it, had its share. You know, there's the garage door kill from the first one, and like uh, we talked about the the closet. Uh, twist from the last or yeah the last one where uh the killer comes out of you think the killer is hiding in one closet but they're in another closet like yeah stuff like that where it's like okay that was that was good because it was like you're building tension and then i'm like oh man you did the you did another thing and i wasn't expecting it and you know it's upsetting because that's how that character dies like this franchise does stuff like that this is just like hey by the way here's a scene um 
we're just going to tell you now that this character dies at the end of it. Hey, that character died. Oh, there's a lot of blood there. It was, it was real bad to watch. You did not like watching it. That's, that's, that's our, that's what we're hanging our hat on. (laughs) It's not like, it's not brutal in a way that's like, I mean, even like the Rob Zombie movies, like have sort of the, like, I I think I complained quite a bit about those as well, but at least that's like, Oh, that's visceral. That's like, there is a goal here. Right. uh, Whether or not I like it, which I did not. Um, but that's an angle, but this is like, we're going to, we're going to find the most is the, is the correct phrase. Yeah. We're going to find the most unpleasant ways to stab people. Not like the most like horrifying or the most like emotionally upsetting, but just like, Ooh, yeah. Okay. And it just, it feels, it feels mean to a beloved character. Yeah. And I feel like if, if, and I don't know, what David Arquette's sort of creative input on this was, if any, like, I, I don't know the behind the scenes of it, but if you are really committed to killing a legacy character to show their stakes and all this other stuff, I get that. But then recognize that, like, people love Dewey. Like, he's a mm-hmm. beloved character, certainly among the three of us. And who is this movie made for, if not the three of us? Yeah. Um, to, to then... of toxic fan <laughs> season eight was fine. Allow me to now discuss the film Noel on Disney Plus, <laughs> a film that by all rights was made for me, but did not sure. succeed in being made. For me. Alex has said season eight was fine for fine three times on this podcast. I think that means that uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are going to appear behind us. One of you gets one of them. you gets Benioff, one of you gets Weiss, and I guess I get um the guy. Uh, who... You get Miguel Sapochnik. Okay, I was gonna say the guy who wrote Night of the Seven <laughs> Kingdoms, but sure, that's that's who? why he he was like, oh, sorry, they're gonna need me on a podcast in a minute, so I gotta jump out of House of the Dragon. Um, <laughs> this is gonna take all my energy for the next year. <laughs> I have to figure out how to teleport. Um, but no, but it just it feels it feels excessive to do that to to a character that I'm like, you can take him out in a way that's heroic or just something like you said not penny's boat there, there's some way to do this and this is like come on movie <laughs> um i also in a, in a much 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 lighter or lesser way i found myself saying a few times i like that judy's in the movie yeah i, I like I that think, she's here darn it i don't like that she dies i think we should swerve to that because that's another really weird scene Very um weird. so yeah judy shows up she is the mother of Dillamanet, who's named yeah. Wes. Yeah, he's, he's named Wes, which I guess okay. is a Wes Craven reference, but like, come on. Yeah. Um, so, so Dylan Minnette, because I get him confused. Is he? He's not Logan Lerman, is he? Uh, he's not, not Logan. Lerman. He's to not. The best he's of my not knowledge. Tom Holland, no. is he? He's not Dylan O'Brien no. either. He's Dylan not o- Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien, he? I think, is the other one. Who, like, he's yeah. Maze Runner. No, he's Dylan? not Daniel Radcliffe, is he? No, he might be Michael Douglas. But he's not. <laughs> he's not. He's not Antonio Banderas. I'm is he pretty correct? sure he isn't Keenan Thompson. <laughs> and I've is never seen he him. Scarlett Johansson. Uh ooh. One I've never seen him in a room with uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. So <laughs> no, but my he... money's on Liv Tyler. <laughs> sure. Now, Alex, he was uh, in uh, Dope Sick. He's one of the two uh, scientist whistleblower kids. Okay, if 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 you if you honestly not dope sick, like, not dope sick, dropout. I've been saying dope sick this whole time. He's in the dropout. 
Oh, okay. He's one of the two whistleblowers. Yeah, Dope Sick was Logan Lerman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, honestly, if you had like a multiple choice question of like who was in Dope Sick and you were like Dylan O'Brien, or <laughs> I, I would have gotten it wrong. They're both. No, I'm I'd sorry. have been like, I'm sorry. I don't know who Dylan Minnette is. Like that, that yeah. name seems made up to me. <laughs> it's <laughs> wow. it's got to be Tom putting Holland. Him, putting no, no, him no. on blast. He was he was one of the two young Just scientists for his name. Uh, in the dropout, which is a great miniseries. Uh, no, and and he's he's watched. great in it. I'm, I'm just it, yeah. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm and he's he's fine in this too. Um, uh, so yeah, Judy is his mother in this, and it is fun to see her again. I like that she's the sheriff now. Um, we find out that later the David Arquette has retired, um, and, and was kind of like pushed out, probably because. I think the implication is supposed to be that kind of like he was unfit for it, maybe like either because he was torn up after his divorce or or something. Um, Or he got hit over the head with a bedpan too many times. Right. Uh, Something along those lines. Um, (laughs) And uh, she is, she drinks a glass of, wait, in in the scene that she ends up dying in, she drinks a glass of wine uh, and then goes for, to drive and pick up, sushi yeah uh and they mentioned postmates because that's what the people yeah want <laughs> um and yeah there was someone in the a bunch a bunch of zennials in the crowd were like i relate to that oh yeah my like mom postmates. also gets sushi instead of postmates <laughs> she knows what a cd player is <laughs> that was a good that was a good uh teen impression yeah that's that's how um, they talk i'm <laughs> like that was good um she she gets in the she gets in in her police cruiser and or van i don't know and goes off uh and then the killer calls her on text her i think maybe and she sees it and then calls her um she's 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 breaking some driving laws here um and then the killer's like oh uh your your son's in the shower uh because psycho yeah and we see a shot that looks like the shot from psycho of the shower yeah head. get it it's like cool um film Instagram's elevated love that. horror maybe that's uh, the reference to once upon a time in hollywood because i did sit up and snap my finger <laughs> and point at the screen you were like yeah. did you how do they do I'm that i'm the reference now <laughs> how do they do that oh um, my god randy your neighbors pounding look, on your door this movie's this. too smart for me. I'm gonna have to bow out now, guys. <laughs> I I think the voice was a little different in that, and I almost thought that it was gonna end up being like a prank because mm. I feel like there was something off about the way they were saying it, but no, that's just like that was the killer. Yeah. Um and so she swing swim swings the car around and driving back and is like, no, oh my gosh. Um and then she gets there and uh starts running up and then uh, immediately Ghostface is there and, and kills her, which I think we've done basically that several times in this franchise. I feel like where the killer, like, I guess that's kind of what happens at the beginning of this movie. Actually, sure, is the killer gets Tara to go uh, check the door and then yeah, it's right there. Um, uh, and that's like in Scream Three. I think that happens a few times. So, um, not i mean like that's that's fine like that's interesting yeah. he, she gets stabbed a bajillion times it's kind of like okay yeah sure um but then we have this scene where wes gets out of the shower 
and he never heard the phone calls from his mom and he goes downstairs he gets ready uh he sees that the door i guess that happens later um for, first he he meticulously prepares dinner plates for himself and his mother yeah um oh it's like a japanese tea ceremony it's very like it's everything super there is a intricate. ritual um everything has and, a meaning he's like saying a prayer before each uh act. <laughs> pretty much and like i think that is i like that as like a character beat and that made me think like okay they're they're doing this because then he's gonna like he's gonna be a, you know com- he's gonna be like one of our main characters going yeah, through the rest yeah. or like i was like okay there, there, there's gonna be something to this no like, no tyler you should have realized right then and there it was a drone couple situation no they're setting up the character quirk room to get immediately asked <laughs> yeah yeah it, um, look look the only the only thing that would have given it away more is if he started talking about i mean i want some cheeses <laughs> i love cheeses with my sushi <laughs> most cultured american i like i um, like to squeeze it in between the row and the rice <laughs> look it's probably it probably wouldn't taste that am I, am I, i'm am not I gonna like, i'm not gonna sit here and pretend like i'm i'm above that I know I'm not um foodonomist <laughs> <laughs> um, but he he goes through this whole process and i'm i'm trying to figure out because i'm like okay they're either Setting this up is like, okay, he's he's super meticulous. Like, that's going to be a character quirk in, in some form or fashion. Um, he's going to go and find the body at the end of this, or the killer is going to kill him. Uh, and, like, that's going to be what we're doing here. And so, like, it's not... I don't... The, the movie is not doing this in a way that is, like, we're building tension towards something. It's it's like, hey, do you, do you like not having any idea what's happening right now? Right. Uh, because this character is just going to do this for a while. And then he walks and looks and sees the door has been cracked open. Yeah. After he specifically locked it. Like they have a, a, a bit about that. There's there's a beat where she's like, hey, always lock the door. And he's like, yep, I locked the door. And and we see him do that when she leaves. Uh, and the door is unlocked. And he's like, oh. And then he closes it and locks it. Yeah. And then the killer shows up. And then. So like he doesn't even see his mom's body like that's not i i don't want to be caught in the trap of like not catching that the movie's trying to do something subversive here or like trying yeah. to do a, a spin on something but it's it's not playing on expectations because i had no expectations at that point i was like yeah. oh yeah okay, so he's he's probably gonna die right or he's yeah. he's gonna it's gonna be like a long scene and then he's gonna see his mom okay yeah the, the killer showed up and then the killer stabs him in the side of the neck like yeah. through the the knife is vertical. I feel like I need to paint this picture. <laughs> the knife is vertical and like stabs through in such a way that it's like a like a sewing needle kind sure. of deal. It's it's very again, it's very just unpleasant. Yeah. And then we just watch him like gurgle blood and die. And then and this was the other thing that was so like confusing to me about this. Um Judy specifically says Hey, I'm I, all all cops converge in my house. We we gotta get back here. Killers yeah. killers at my house. Big big problem. Um, and the killer just like disappear. This is this is a in movie. Yeah, like three minutes, mm-hmm. three three solid minutes after Judy gets there. After this dude has finished taking a shower, like a ton of time has passed. The killer is just taking their sweet time. 
and it does not matter. They just yeah. get away. Like we don't, there's not like a, oh, this is how they escaped. It's just like, oh, I think uh, our our main character, who we haven't even really talked about, um, she shows up and she's like, oh man, what happened here? Uh, and then that, like all the cops are there and she finds out that everyone's dead in the house. It's like, okay. It, it's so, like, I don't understand what the goal was. Yeah. I, I, I need to understand what you're trying to do, movie. Yeah, please, no, it's, please it's, help. it's super weird. I, I, I know. I, I guess I would, if I had to pick between Judy and Dewey, like, I guess take Judy. But don't, it just also felt cruel to take Judy. Yeah. It just, that whole thing was just weird and excessive. Yeah. Um, and then, spinning off of that, uh, there is a, part in there where what is our main character's name uh sam sam Sam, yes sam is like wait a minute cops who's watching my sister (laughs) um and they're like well we had to go and do this they said all cops that all cops but then they go to the hospital and there's a dead cop like tara goes out of her room and there's there's a cop who's been murdered well yeah we didn't want to bring the dead guy with us he wasn't gonna (laughs) help (laughs) you that's my headcanon. Like, well, I guess, I guess we're gonna okay, leave him. No, well, they said the radio. So, right, I mean, fine. he's not gonna, not gonna come. Help. Like, wasn't gonna do walk. I don't know. <laughs> do you guys? Do you guys remember the opening uh, of Halloween Two, the Rob Zombie one, where Laurie is in the hospital and it's really eerie and strange, and Octavia Spencer is there and then she's not, and it's kind like, of. yeah, why is why is nobody here? Why is it's yeah, yeah. very confused? And then it was a dream sequence. <laughs> why is the hospital empty in this yeah yeah they all had to go to, they were everyone all, it was just, doctors were like the, they'll need the doctors patients. everyone was like party at judy's <laughs> <laughs> well i'm a veterinarian who's in recovering from knee surgery but they probably need me too <laughs> i'm a construction worker i'm going to the party <laughs> it's like old we're just finding out everyone's freaking professions <laughs> yeah all um, of that was just bizarre <laughs> I um I realized it, so the opening when Tara is getting the call that the killer and all the stuff she's also texting with Amber and then she starts getting texts from Amber's phone and they the way they pass this off is oh the killer must have cloned yeah. Amber's phone but then it the killer out, has video of Amber yeah and then you're like and then of course you find <laughs> out later Amber is one of the killers so she just which kind of I don't know. To me, that's not like a, a sneaky reveal. It felt like they went, oh, we chose the wrong friend for her to be texting or something. But it's kind of funny that Amber was like, LOL, that's so crazy. Girl, what are you doing? I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> Just like at her house. I don't know. That's kind of funny to me now. I that actually. So I I think I'm I think I'm ready to talk about Jack Quaid. Um, I think because I think that's a good pivot. Um, I love him. So <laughs> there is a red letter media uh video with jack quaid like a year ago yeah um i guess it wouldn't have been the, it was earlier this year um where, where he was a guest and at the beginning of the video they say like and you're jack jack quaid you play the uh the new Ghostface killer in the new screen movie and there's like an awkward beat where they're all just like oh what you just <laughs> did you just give that away and and seriously I so I I remember that I was hoping I would forget it by this point. I remembered. I was like, whatever. I'm I'm sure I'll still enjoy his performance. Whatever. Yeah. Um. And legitimately, halfway through this movie, I was like, that would be such a bad twist, and that would be so like, 
off the wall and like this that's clearly not what this character is doing that was clearly a joke like i yeah. i actually had it wasn't even like trying to convince myself like well, maybe maybe they're wrong i was like okay okay that was that that was just them their oddball humor uh they're you know being silly he's not actually the killer he's you know he's probably gonna die in the end or whatever um and then he's the killer yeah. <laughs> it's like throughout the movie they consistently show him doing stuff while the killings are happening. But the ghost face killer is not, I keep saying the ghost face killer. I don't know. It's supposed to be just ghost face ghost face at the time of most, if not all of the killings is definitely not Amber's height. Right. <laughs> like that's, that yeah. was really distracting to me uh, throughout. And I think we've, maybe this has been something that I should have caught in some of the other movies. It didn't like, I, I don't know if maybe there's moments in the, um, and Scream 4 with, with Emma Roberts, where it's kind of like, oh, that probably doesn't track super well. Um, but with this one, I felt like when they revealed it was Amber, it was kind of like, so pretty much every killing has to be Jack Quaid, right? Because this killer is is like tall. It's like a tall killer. And they keep showing, not telling, but showing Jack Quaid's alibi Yeah. for yeah. scenes. Like when Judy's getting murdered, he's in a bedroom somewhere eating pizza and watching internet commentary about stab, whatever. Right. Um, and that happens repeatedly. And they say that he was with Sam while Tara was killed. But as you just reminded me, Britain, there's video that's like shaky cam video of Amber. Yeah. Was there a third killer that they just forgot <laughs> to, to get around? It's just like, Oh yeah. Whoops. I did also just look it up. Uh, he is, about a foot taller than Mikey Madison. <laughs> um, so yeah, that really doesn't doesn't track. Well, what's even more confusing is that they put so much infamous, infamous. I'm not trying to say infamous. Emphasis on the on Ghostface's strength because almost every single yeah. kill is yeah yeah somebody is trying to hold back a knife from being shoved into them by Ghostface. Right, and like that's I feel like ninety percent of the kills are Heck. just that. And there's I don't a, know. Maybe. There's a um there's a like a, a fake out, I guess, or a, a sort of like red herring where he gets slashed on the arm by Ghostface, and Ghostface is his height. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Hold on. Well what maybe, you don't maybe, maybe I'm totally just like remaking this in my brain as I'm trying to think back on it, but I was paying attention to that. Yeah. Because I was like, uh, again, I came into it thinking like, okay, Jack Wade's gonna be the killer, and then I talked myself out of it. And became totally convinced that couldn't be possible because that would just be so like Look, we're we are not even laying egg, laying a you know breadcrumbs we're not we're not even like you know doing something that's like oh that's kind of annoying you didn't really set that up we're actively telling you this can't be possible and then we're doing it anyway. Look, yeah. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, there was there was deleted scenes. It's all in the editing room. See, there's a scene where Amber reveals that she went to the gym and she just she was lifting a bunch of weights. That's how right, she got right, so strong. Right, right. And she also wears lifts. That's a thing. That's a fashion I was gonna say, that she makes. That's why she's able to match him at I, night. I was going to say moon shoes. Um, <laughs> sure. Well, but yeah, and yeah, that's... Yeah. I don't know. I also, that was really weird to me. I had it re-emphasized to me that it was a killer because I accidentally came upon a meme that was talking about how the killers in these movies often wear like blue or blue plaid. Hmm. And it was like a picture of Emma Roberts and Skeet Ulrich and oh, Toby Oliphant sure. and Jack Quaid. And so like, well, 
that's real. <laughs> um, but again, like you can still enjoy the enjoy the film, and it doesn't. It didn't. It didn't. Didn't add up for me. I will say. I enjoyed his performance in the movie very much because oh. I enjoy Jack Quaid in general very much. Alex and I were talking about this, that he is playing like a more caustic version of Huey uh, from the boys mm-hmm. in this, but I love him on the boys. He's great. Um, yep. uh, maybe my favorite bit of acting he does in the whole movie is when he's getting all the teens to leave the house. And when he puts the lights <laughs> on the party, he's like, all right, go on teens. Thank you. And he's just like, it's so good. It just made me so happy. I thought it was so funny. And like someone throws a cup at his head and he's like, great. Thank you for the cup. And now it's outside. Keep going. I thought it was great. The, I I like his evil performance. I like when he, he turns and he's like, oh, now I'm one of the crazies. It's definitely uh, it de- that feels more like he and Mikey Madison are both like pushing more. And that is the point in the movie in all of these movies where the killers like really starting with Timothy Oliphant on have gone like, okay, so now I have to be crazy. Yeah. Gone, gone unhinged. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, maybe I think Timothy it's... Oliphant should play the Joker. Don't do that. <laughs> Stop making jokers. Yeah. Um, it should clearly be Jack Quaid. It um, should clearly. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no more jokers. We're done. <laughs> what about a uh, Dylan Jack Manette? Dylan Kirk... Manette. Well, he was in Goosebumps. I can't promise he didn't play the Joker in Goosebumps. Maybe a little hair raising there. Yeah, um, he also is in a band called Wallows. So Dylan, well Dylan Minnette's a busy hey. guy, and come on <laughs> the podcast, we'll talk to you, Dylan. We won't know that it's <laughs> Tell you. Tell us about your band. When you zoom in, we'll be like, Joseph? He's, We're not going to know that it's you, but come on down. He's in a band called Joker? <laughs> <laughs> called I Will Play Joker in a, in a film one day. <laughs> I... Uh, I do like the idea that we're always going to be, we'll just have to watch all of Dylan Minnette's movies and be like, was that, who, who, what, who was that guy? Was that Cole Sprouse? <laughs> he does have the hair. Did was Spen- it, wait, um, Spencer was Breslin it is in this Dylan movie? Sprouse. Oh, maybe it was. Oh, Dylan yeah, Sprouse. okay. That now we're sense. talking. Um, Who's the, the, who's the kid from iCarly? Who's, Freddy, Miranda Cosgrove, name? Gibby. Is that, <laughs> yeah, is Gibby. that Gibby? <laughs> yeah, <it's> Gibby. <laughs> we're all sitting down to watch Goosebumps, and we're like, is Gibby in this? <laughs> Dude, Gibby's totally in this. Gibby, That's oh sick. man, I love Gibby Goosebumps. <laughs> That's my uh, Halloween-themed children's TV show host. Sure. Uh, I'm Dylan Minnette playing Gibby Goosebumps. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, J- Jack Jack Quaid when he when he does his turn, he has a line where he's like, "Yeah, it's me. Isn't that a bummer?" And I'm like, "I mean, it would be if like uh, the logic of this movie was working. Sure. Like if if you had kept me in suspense, and then I was like, oh man, it is him. Like I trust it. Like if you had, if, you know, <laughs> yeah. but like you had totally like." Not even convinced, but told me, yeah, this guy can't really be the killer, and then you did it anyway. Well, I think so, they were trying to just kind of like, it's well, like they're yeah, it's a bummer because they're trying to <laughs> do a combination. A they're trying to do a combination of Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard, where he's the he's the character who's such he's so jokey that you're like, it's not him. He's yeah, a yeah. big jokester, but he's also the boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, that was the only bit that I liked when he was like, oh literally the first words out of Dewey's mouth were do yeah. not trust the boyfriend. Like he said, it had something kind of like that. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that was neat. But yeah. Um, we haven't mentioned the fact, speaking of that moment, cause Dewey lays down some rules for them about sequels, which feels a little bit out of character 
for yeah. him, but like it's cute that he, I sure. guess, is adopting some of Randy's stuff. But we see they do bring back Martha, Randy's sister, yeah, who showed up yes. randomly in Scream Three. I like that. Uh, and she has the uh, Randy Memorial Home Theater. Uh, she's got like a big painting of Randy and and like a plaque and stuff. Uh, that's that's good. That I like. Yeah. I like that. I, I like thought that, that was cute. Uh, this is actually, I'm going to do some Alex level continuity check here. So there's oh. a bit in the movie I'm where being Mitch, challenged. I'm, 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 I'm shifting my weight to the other side of my body to show that I'm changing into Alex. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is my Alex side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to slouch a little more. This is my Alex. <laughs> you can really hear it in your voice. I don't like movies. <laughs> but <laughs> just kidding. He does. He likes this one more than me. There's uh, a bit in the movie where Mindy is, it's very meta, meta Mindy, where she is watching Stab 1. And it's Mm. the scene that is to mimic when Randy in the original Scream is watching uh, Halloween and going, Jamie Lee, behind you, he's behind Jamie Lee, and all that stuff. And he's drunk and he's yelling at the TV, and she's drunk and yelling at the TV, and it's a whole thing. In one of the movies, someone is looking at the cast list, I think it's actually in this one, where Tara is looking at the cast list from Stab to find out that it was to, to answer one of the trivia questions that Heather mm-hmm. Graham played the Drew Barrymore proxy. And I believe on that screen, it says David Schwimmer played Randy. That's not David Schwimmer. Oh, or snap. even or even a David Schwimmer lookalike. You're right. In they that established that. So what I think they should have done is have current modern day David I Schwimmer. Agree. No de-aging effects literal just sh- no makeup show up on the set and be like well, oh, jb lee and just yelling about it. <laughs> you wouldn't have even like it's on like a crappy like old tv and like yeah, we're yeah, seeing yeah. it through like you could you could have gotten away you just need his voice yeah I have just, a different guy play him but use his voice like right, have, right. tell him like hey we'll give you a hundred bucks get do, record some lines or least, i don't know what david yeah. schwimmer's going rate is but like give him whatever he wants and be like record just, some lines just i don't know it feels weird they throw in this in joke about david schwimmer played randy because mm-hmm. friends but then they then won't do they won't commit to the bit i don't sure. know sorry this that's upsetting this scream is more of a whimper i've been britain <laughs> <laughs> wow. but yeah i don't know what i'm saying is Britain, I can't unsee that. I know. Yeah, that's upsetting. Done it. That truly it is. is. I'm, I'm a little... I guess going along with that, I, I feel like one kind of big missed opportunity is actually showing us some some scenes from Stab 8. Yeah. Honestly, because it would have been fun to have Ryan Johnson there and be like, I'm going to do it like a joke scene for Scream. Like, this is going to be great. Sure. Um, it would have been fun if he was doing one of those, like, uh, interviews versus the black... It looks like everything mm-hmm. in the room is black and he's sitting across the table from Charlie Rose or something. And he's like, well, I really wanted to reinvent the characters and just like playing a very self-serious that version of himself. Yeah, that would be, be very good. But I, I feel like we really play up like what those movies are supposed to look and feel yeah. like in the previous films. And then to just be like, yeah, they completely ruined it by subverting expectations and yada, yada, yada. And we don't even see what that looks like. That comes off to me as very much. They had an idea in their head, had no idea how to execute it, yeah. so they didn't even bother. And in doing so, they accidentally made Stab 8. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't I they mean, even... You're not in, wrong. And they in the movie, they're like, and they only called it Stab. Like, at least call it Stab 8. What are you doing? And that's... 
Yeah. It it's the thing where they're like, "Aha, we're making fun of the thing you don't like about this movie, but we're not actually going to explain it or defend it or we're just going to be like, "Haha, it is stupid." Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um how, how do we feel about So Sam's whole shtick <laughs> is that she was born The fact that we have the fact that we <laughs> we haven't talked about any of this is yeah, astounding. So we learned pretty early on that Billy Loomis was her father and she has some sort of mental issue where she is actually seeing him. She's a Dexter. Yeah. 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 And she's hallucinating Billy Loomis and she's trying to take medications for it, but he seems to be encouraging her to kill people. Yeah. And it goes absolutely nowhere. And at the, the where end, it goes, at the end, he's a good guy. <laughs> where where it goes is that at the end, he's like, "Hey, kill Jack Quaid," uh, <laughs> and she's like, "I no no." no. <laughs> so I think I think we need to start from the top here because she this again this combined with Vince <laughs> as we've talked about was what really just broke my brain very early on and made it kind of impossible for the movie to recover and then it didn't anyway really attempt to. Um, and for me personally, um, where Billy Loomis, uh, got a girl pregnant in high school and that's when, and that was Sam and Tara's mother and she married, uh, their father to, because she said it was in high school. She was like, this is your baby. And so then. They got married, and then we... So, what? what is the name of Sam's actri- actress? Melissa Barrera. Melissa Barrera, okay. Um, she, I think, is trying really hard with some real clunky dialogue. Yes. <laughs> early on, especially. Um, because there's not, like, a big reveal at the end. There, there's not. There's not something that later on kind of like pulls back the curtain is like here's the revelation about because that would have been really selling this twist of her being billy loomis's daughter like that would have been like oh you're really that would have been like you are literally making stab eight (laughs) and i think i would have been more on board with it if it was that schlocky that would have been like we're, we're we're so over the top like this is where this i feel like needs to go to be just like totally off the rocker um, but instead, after Tara gets stabbed, she goes and she's like, "Hey, let me info dump you some brain knowledge here." Um, I found my mom's or found our mom's diary, and then I went and told my mom or told our mom, and then that's why Dad left because he heard me telling Mom. Uh, so it's all my fault, and also I'm Billy Loomis's daughter. Uh, and it's it's. It's not that, but it's it's not that far off. Yeah. The, the the way this is presented, and she is really trying to sell this, but it's it's just her saying this, like yeah. it is spilling this out. Um, and I think uh, I think you mentioned Tara's actress earlier. I just can retain no names tonight. Um, she I think does a really good job with the reaction as well. Like she's she's really like torn up and like, why are you dumping this on me right now? This this is not something that like. I need emotionally in my life after I've been yeah. almost murdered. Uh, like, and you, you abandoned us, you, you left town and now you're coming back and 
throwing all this on my my plate like what the heck um <laughs> they they both do a really good job with material that to me was like why is this how you would put this across and like i don't know if the answer is don't have sam find out about that until later and then like she's hallucinating billy loomis for no reason until we find that out i don't know if that would be any better but again it would be kind of schlockier and more like we're very confident about this very silly twist and too bad we're doing it um this feels like oh by the way this is the plot of the movie um uh, is that okay (laughs) like that's that's how it comes across to me um and i i think i almost laughed out loud when she has the line like i'm billy loomis's daughter (laughs) i thought I thought that was yeah. very weirdly handled by the film. Um, and then the entire time, yes, uh, Skeet Ulrich is there using de-aging s- stuff that's, to me, looked wonky. I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of out of place. I mean, I guess he's supposed to be look to look kind of ethereal and creepy. So it's, it's not yeah. that big of a deal. And but, he's not... Um, He's not in it enough. To, it's it's not like you're having to watch it for two hours and forty five yeah, yeah. minutes. Um, the thing that the kind of confused me about it is, I almost feel like you didn't have to do the de aging effect. Yeah, just because she didn't know him at that age, so she could almost like we can kind of ex- expand our imagination. She is picturing him as her father. What what his yeah. age would actually be sure. if he were alive. Yeah. You know, something like that. I yeah. don't I don't know. It seemed a little unnecessary. That seemed more for the benefit of the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's very much the well, what would a movie it's like when they wrote this, they were like, What would a movie do? We'll do that. <laughs> As but not yeah. not in the sort of fun, sprightly way that the other movies do. Yeah. Um we we didn't have although he was a producer, the guiding hand of Kevin Williamson to sure. kind of go, No, no, no. Yeah. Um, the, the quote unquote payoff for this is that at the end, uh, well, so one, she starts to drive away and then Billy's like, go back and kill them all. And she's like, all right, <laughs> Billy. All right, dad. That sounds good. <laughs> um, and so she does go back because of that. Um, but then there's a weird, like, that's a double beat because then later she leaves and Gail and Sydney are like, you have to finish this. And she's like, no, I'm leaving everyone. And then they get sidetracked into Stumacher's house, as we find out, um, uh, which uh, put a pin in that. I'll talk about it. Um, but then in the house, uh, a- after the big third act happens, Jack Quaid is about to kill her, uh, and she gets uh, she sees a knife under a windowsill uh, or under a, a window curtain, and Jack Quaid's like, "What could you possibly do? I have a gun pointed at you." And Billy Loomis is like, use the stab force. And she's like, <laughs> I will use the stab force. And then she like knocks him to the ground and stabs him a bunch of times. It's like, that's not, <laughs> it's, it's an almost kind of offensive, like translation of why a serial, what a serial killer does. Like, it's like, oh yeah, a, a serial killer is somebody who has knife powers. <laughs> like, <laughs> look, like, it's a weird look, there, vibe. There an, like, she doesn't... <laughs> there was an original version that they had. Test screenings, uh, you know, were, were less than flattering. You see, Jack yeah, yeah. Quaid, his original line was, I am all the ghost faces. 
And Sam said, and I am all the Loomises. And then she stabbed him. And shot lightning into his eyes. Yeah. That's odd. (laughs) I'm Sam. Sam Ray. Wait, Sam Ghost Face. Prescott. Sam uh, Prescott. Sydney, you're adopting me now. No, that's not. <laughs> Sydney, I'm adopting you now. I'm your mother now, um, Sydney. Yeah, that was weird and did not yeah. function in the plot at all. Because, like, you, the, the entire... These movies have all been about, like, people surviving horrible events. Right. And so then it's like... Oh, she couldn't have just, like, stabbed him. She had to, like, super stab him in yeah. order to to really, you know, be successful. She had to lean into the Loomis heritage and be be all stabby. Like, that. Uh, that's just weird to me. I don't, I don't know what the goal was there or if I'm missing something or sure. if something did not translate to the film. But what? No, yeah, I it didn't. <laughs> Um, didn't work for me either. I I also am uncomfortably confident that with the sequel, the goal would be to have the big twist be that she is actually the killer. I feel like that's what they're setting up here, and that also, based on how well it handles you know mental illness in this film, I'm I'm yeah. sure that's going to go over well. I I could be wrong, but like it really does feel like that's supposed to be like the, oh, we're going to do the next one, and the next one, you're going to think it's not her because it wasn't her last time, but now it is her. Oh, no. Like, I... Yeah, not 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 crazy about it. <laughs> is there anything else to really dive into on this one? I don't have anything else. I give it a D. Um, oh, okay. No, go ahead. <laughs> Wait, go ahead. Hold, hold that grade. Okay. No, uh, mm-hmm. I did want to say I do think the piece about the um, it being in Stumacher's house and having sure the, completely out of context that shot of um, Sydney standing yes. in front of the house and and we're doing kind of some Dutch angles and like eerie music and it's like oh back mm-hmm. at the house i think that's neat i i think i like that yeah. that's a good that's like kind of the best reveal of the movie for me is is that they're all partying in this house and then it's like wait a minute this is Stu walker's house and like you realize that all the layout makes sense um that's cool i i think that was that was yeah. genuinely like a neat yeah i agree back and I, I like that out of context i like that in a vacuum but i didn't feel like the movie had really earned yeah. that that moment when we got there for me yeah yeah, and I don't give it a D out of like anger. It just it really just didn't land for me, and the others have to one degree or another. So there's a bit a C, a C, a bouncy C. And there's a Same. bit where they they're at the wake, I guess, the big party for Dylan Minnette's character, uh, Mason Gooding goes for Wes or to Wes, and they're all like, "Yeah, to Wes." And I was like, "Which one was Wes?" <laughs> I know was that was that Logan Lerman. Was that Logan Lerman? I was like, I know that I know what the movie is doing this for Wes Craven. I get that, and they have the four Wes at the the little yeah. thing at the end, which is nice. But in a moment, I was like, I forgot who these characters are. Oh no, the party, them having a party again. Yeah, in this is just like yeah. Does live live? Is she ironically named? No, 
Because I don't remember. I know that the twins survive. I no. Chad gets horribly murdered. No, he's no. he's in the ambulance. Chad uh, survives. Oh, when they're did I wheeling, miss that? When they're wheeling Mindy out, she how gives... does he survive? I how, think how that do... was that was the more frustrating thing about having. I must have Julie totally missed that. Bit. The way that he got killed is like we have like three Several different characters survivors. that get violently stabbed that are just fine at the end of the movie, and it's like, but we have to stick it to the guy we like. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Oh no, Liv gets shot in the head by Amber. Oh, that's uh, right. Oh, when Amber is yeah, yeah, like, yeah. "Welcome to the third act." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which would be fun if I liked the way the third act. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, just real quick. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it a C. Same grade I gave Scream Three. I think Scream Three probably holds together plot wise a little bit better. Um, but this one I got some more entertainment value out of because I think it's just faster paced. So I didn't even have a chance to really think about a lot of the things that we've discussed in the past hour and twenty minutes. So, I don't know. Breezy watch. Don't make any more. <laughs> Nev Campbell jumped off at the right time, apparently. Maybe. Yeah. Um I can I can feel I can feel the energy of the the original Loomis telling me to embrace the the franchise falling off a cliff uh and and use use my powers to give this uh an F minus. <laughs> I did not like this very much. Oh, and the more we wow. talked about it, the more I'm like, I think this is completely missing the mark. Man, um, I, I I was like considering it after watching it, but the more the more we've talked about, it, the more I'm like, I don't find this redeemable. I really think like this reminded me quite a bit of Halloween Kills, uh, and my my kind of reaction to that. Uh, not for Tyler's, me. Tyler's gonna go like running down the streets yelling, I shot Scream six times! <laughs> and everyone's like, is are you talking about the movie? What What is going on? <laughs> but what are you going to do when Scream six comes out? Are you going to shoot that like, but like seven times? For me, like I use F minus as sort of an emotional qualifier sure. where like, sure. it, usually plus or minus for my my letter grades, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I think that's a little bit better than just a C or whatever. Yeah. Or I think it's, it's not quite a C. Like that, I'll use it as like a sort of numerically data data wise for a lot of the time. Uh, F F minus to me is like, I mean the the second episode of this franchise was where I first <laughs> pulled out the F minus, and that was for Revenge of the Fallen, which is for my I think my original stated intention was a grade for a movie that not only do I think is worthy of an F, but is also like actively very. Uh, frustrating to me in terms of like i feel like this should have been so much better and you were very very bad at doing this so much better yeah uh so yeah i i yeah that is that is what i'm landing on i this was not one that i was a fan of i think that's fair i think that's fair um alex i I know your recommendation do you want to go first or should we should we wait i can go first sure for it um tell us why we're wrong so i i had a weird experience with a movie (laughs) that we'll watch i'm assuming fairly soon on the podcast um i went to the theater to go watch halloween ends Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. basically i needed an escape from work so i took a half day and i was like i'm gonna go watch a movie in the theater and nothing else looked even (laughs) remotely appealing so i was like all right including smile featuring kyle gallner and i was like all right (laughs) is that is that one of the dylan's (laughs) 
<laughs> um, yeah, Dylan Thomas, the poet. And I remember specifically in our Halloween's Halloween Kills episode, I was like, I do not want to watch the the next one. <laughs> Turns out I'm a liar. <laughs> but yeah, uh, shocker. I liked it a lot. It might be one of my favorite Halloween movies. And I recognize yeah. that's not significant praise because sure. only really the original is great and the rest are middling to terrible. Um, yeah, you but, really just got like the original and Halloween Resurrection and that's about it. <laughs> uh, we, we liked Halloween 4. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Yeah, um, I like Halloween 4. But yeah, I think... To me, it seems like they sobered up a little bit after Halloween Kills. It feels like they had to get that out of their system of like, here's the stupid, just nonstop violence, crazy (laughs) off the wall movie that they think the fans want. This one is a lot more small scale, but I don't know. It feels like a, a, a natural extension and conclusion of this set of movies. And I don't know. It, it, it takes some risks and it makes some choices and all of it kind of worked for me. I was I was genuinely shocked. Um, there is one particular performance. I can't really talk about it without getting into spoilers. But there's one that's going to... It, it'll be like the single divisive issue of the movie mm. based around this, this character. I think the performance is absolutely spectacular and really carries the movie. Um, and it's not Jamie Lee Curtis, although she is wonderful. Um, Jamie but Lee yeah. Curtis is in the movie? Whoa! <laughs> uh, from Freaky Friday, <laughs> Dylan's mom. <laughs> I was gonna say the big shocker is that it's Buster Rhymes. That's what oh I'm my talking. god! Don't um, now you've now you've confirmed for me that it's not Buster Rhymes. Um, but yeah, I I had a really good time with it, and I I I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it again and be like, oh my god, that was terrible. What was I talking about? <laughs> Um, but particularly after Halloween kills, it was kind of the palate cleanser that I needed and it actually ends the Halloween franchise on a, on a decent note. So don't make any more Jason Blum. I'm looking at you. Don't make any more. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad yeah. to hear that. I'm, I am now closer to being interested than I was certainly. Um, well, of but, course yeah, I, I thought you guys were, were going to like this last screen sure. movie and you hated it. So <laughs> Talking to you, Tyler. Probably fine. <laughs> uh, what did I give Halloween Kills? Question. I a lot of lip, if I remember the episode. Oh. <laughs> Halloween True. Kills, you gave a D minus. Okay. That feels about right. Fascinating. Um, but yeah, Halloween ends. I liked it a lot, and I'm. I, I don't I don't understand. Britain, <laughs> talk about a thing. Uh, my I'm going to go in a very different direction from both these movies, except this one is also about uh, a teenager. I <clears throat> watched a movie from this year. It is a Netflix documentary short. Uh, it is called The Dream Life of Georgie Stone. This is a really neat documentary that I really encourage people to watch. Uh, it is 29 minutes long, so selling point already. Uh, but yeah, it's a little documentary about a young woman who, uh, she's Australian, so that's immediately charming, um, who is a young trans woman, and it's kind of about her life and her, it, it uses a lot of footage, primarily from ages 9 through 19, 
some of her like home videos and some stuff shot for the documentary. And it's just kind of about like her life um, pre and post getting her gen- gender affirmation surgery and becoming an activist and all this stuff. And it's a movie that <clears throat> I think one, maybe the only like real downside to the movie is that I think it could stand to be a little bit longer just to spend some more time with, because she's a really charming protagonist for a documentary. And you're like, Oh, I like this kid. I want to, <laughs> I want to spend time with this kid. This is cool. And her, and her family's cool. And, and to kind of flesh out some of the events in the movie, you want to like, Oh, I want a little more to like fortify that stuff. But I think that actually helps. Um, the, the, one of the big reasons I'm recommending it is, I think that a lot of us who are not members of other communities, specifically marginalized communities, uh, and I'm not a member of any, <laughs> I feel like it can be very intimidating to like educate ourselves and learn about those communities because we think, I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to go into this. And, you know, this, this stuff is very politicized, but it's also just very emotional. It's very nuanced. And I don't want to go in there and get it wrong or seem like an idiot or seem you know, stodgy or if I read this book, is it going to be too clinical? Am I going to even understand it? If I watch this movie, is it going to be too hard to watch? So we have these good intentions of not wanting to do it wrong, but then I think it's easy to just not do it. And I know I've run into that with a lot of different causes in my life of going, not in my life, but causes that in my life I've wanted to learn about and going like, I don't want to do it wrong. And so you just end up not doing it. But this is a great, entry point it's like i said it's 29 minutes and it's not hard to watch it's it's touching but it's not like you don't have to watch or get bullied or anything (laughs) like it's not it's not grim or grisly in that way and it it touches on stuff without like all right we're gonna walk you through it here's every term here's every you know bit of minutiae and concept for you you have to you know there's a quiz at the end of this you guys gotta understand all it's just here's this here's this young woman's life and here you go. I think it's a really great way to, um, I don't know if, if this is something that you realize like me, that you haven't consumed a lot of media by and about trans people. I think this is a great place to start because it's not, into, it's, it's a genuinely like fun uh, and very touching documentary. The, the way it's edited, the way they splice together footage from when she's like nine and 14 and 12 and 19 is really effective. And there's some really emotional, really lovely uh, uh, sort of, combinations of of clips um but it's just something that i think you don't need to be intimidated by this like there's nothing this is only welcoming and it's just it's it's a really nice little movie and uh i i just kind of i literally stumbled upon it netflix is very good at advertising some of their stuff (laughs) but there is a lot of stuff on there so it's very easy for stuff to kind of get lost in the shuffle they're also very good at making content so it's kind of like, yeah, these are these are bad problems to have when you make a lot of content. <laughs> yeah, stuff gets buried really easily. I did not realize that the fourth season of The Dragon Prince, one of my favorite shows, yeah. is is showing there up in a few weeks. And I got stressed because I was like, oh, my God, I don't think I'm ready for that. Uh, Netflix added a couple of uh, episodes to this. Or I guess it was a maybe just a bonus episode that had like two kind of vignettes in it uh, to The Sandman. Right. Um which like just adapting kind of like one-off things from mm-hmm. the uh, original comic series. Um, and that I, t- I learned about that like a month later and I loved that show. And I was like, Oh yeah. All right. I guess. I'm gonna go <laughs> oh, okay. That. And it was neat. No, totally. Um, I, I, so I literally just came across this. I just stumbled across it surfing around on Netflix. 
So sometimes it's not a bad thing to do, I guess, on streaming services. But that's why I want to recommend it is because people probably don't know that it exists. Um, but you should totally watch it. It's short. It's fun. It's it's really good. It's called The Dream Life of Georgie Stone on Netflix from Australia. Tyler? Uh, I, don't, I don't really have, like, anything in particular. I did uh, She-Hulk wrapped up. I would recommend that. That's probably, if I'm if I'm locking in a recommendation... I'd probably say that. I thought it was quite good. Uh, Alex hates it, much like uh, I hate something he loves, Screen 2022. Um. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of exaggeration there. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think it is a little bit rocky early on, but I, I feel like it, it smooths it. And it, it, to me, is of all the Marvel shows, is the one that has had the chance to just be a TV show. Um, far above, far and above, like anything else, which has all been kind of like drama, extended movie kind of. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to figure out how to turn this into something we can release over multiple weeks. Um, did we talk about Werewolf by Night? Is that did that come out over the last? It has. We haven't talked about it. Week? Is that? Well, that's it. Come out a couple go, go check out the Disney Plus. I haven't watched Andor, but everyone's saying it's great, which means I'm going to have to watch something about Star Wars oh. again. I'm not looking forward to it, but also I'll probably watch it and be like, yeah, that was pretty good. Feel the same so way. I don't know. Maybe just pull up, <laughs> pull up Disney Plus and you got you got She-Hulk. <laughs> all right. You got uh, you got Werewolf by Night. You got Andor. Um, you know, they've got all the Disney Marvel shows. Yeah, the Great like, Mouse you know, Detective is on there. Great Mouse Detective. Um Spidey and his amazing friends. It's been a big hit with okay. my toddler. Um, Mom's got a date with a vampire. Hey, hey, you know, New Mutants is on there now. <laughs> something for everyone. And yep. that something for everyone is New Mutants. <laughs> Go watch New Mutants. I want, I, if we had like an audience and I could just like push everyone to be like, can you, can you just go on every device you own, pull up New Mutants and play it? Play it for the full runtime. Just set it in the background. You know, go do, yeah. go about your daily business, but have that playing in the background. Um, sneak sneak into people's houses and put it on TVs and stuff. Like, just get it playing on every every screen in America uh, and beyond. Um, I don't know where Disney Plus all is. Wherever Disney Plus is available, I I want to see I want to see the Disney shareholders and like the you know kind of numbers guys people who are, who are trying to figure out how to market stuff and people crunching this data i want to i want to see what they do if there's just like this massive spike in viewership for new like they put it on there and it's just like this is the most popular thing being streamed <laughs> over the last month on any streaming service i want i want to live in that world and they're like and they're i guess like, we're, what do we do with this i guess we make the two mutants <laughs> Uh, that would be hey, great. Uh, they run to Josh Boone, who looks up from gonna, his, the, say, dry hey, uh, board, the dry erase board. The dry erase board that says the other fault in our stars, and he's like, "No, you're right." Hey, uh, Dylan, Josh, <laughs> Josh. Yeah, do you? I think I think we actually might have another opportunity for you. Do you want to? Let's do it. Let's do it yeah. for the children. Um, um, I have not finished She-Hulk, but I really enjoy it. Shocker, Britain likes She-Hulk. No one saw that coming. Uh, episode the, 7, and I, particularly. 
I should say on a serious note that the ending, uh, the finale of She-Hulk, uh, on a not serious note, is is very fun and very subversive, unlike Excited. Scream 2022, uh, and and does a lot of uh, really neat little things uh, that are kind of farther than I would have expected the show to go with yeah. the the premise, um, and in a quite fun way. So, and Werewolf uh, by Night I, is really cool. Yes, Werewolf by Night is also cool quite neat. Thing. Um, just. So some good stuff they've been putting out there recently. For sure. So, There's a lot, um, you guys got a lot to watch. You got Dylan Minnette's whole thing. You got... Yeah. Which might include Ben-Hur. We're still not positive. <laughs> Look, I, I still haven't been convinced this kid isn't Cody Smith McPhee, okay? <laughs> That's fair. Alex, you're going to start watching Sex Education, Ace of Butterfield to pop up, and you'll be like, is that Dylan That's, <laughs> That's the other one. I was trying to think of the other actor who <laughs> fits that? this category. Wait a minute. Because no, for a long time, Asa Butterfield and Cody Smith McPhee, I'm always like, who is in which one? One of them was the road and the other's paranormal. I think I think you could put a like Actually, graphic of like twenty actors in their twenties. Sure. Uh, and just like string along the similarities so that you have the spectrum from like Asa Butterfield to like I don't know who looks like most different than him. Sure, like, sure. Go go through you know Cody's big fee and like yeah. Tom Holland and like sort of Sadie uh, have sink. a have a sure <laughs> have a sliding scale uh, yeah to to show that uh, guys, every actor is the same. Actually. Have you guys watched Stranger Things where four Dylan Minnettes run around on a bunch of crazy adventures? <laughs> <laughs> it's you know that you know that trope Dylan's on bikes. Uh, <laughs> it's really fun. A lot of eighty stuff in it. <laughs> Dylan Minnette, tell us tell us why you deserve. To be unique. Tell us your side of the story. Whoa. Come on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Why do just, you deserve to justify be yourself? Successful actor. In Why should things. we care? You're, yeah, how dare you be in a great show like The Dropout and be good in it? <laughs> um, I do want to watch Goosebumps. And if you want to see if he ever comes on the show, uh, <laughs> you can listen to us uh, wherever podcast get get podcasted uh <laughs> we are online at here come the sequels we're on twitter at htt sequels you can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com i do not have let me let me double check before before i you know miss out oh, on yeah. some good meme content i don't believe oh oh no <laughs> oh, oh no jo- joseph has sent <laughs> has sent so many memes. Oh no, <laughs> he's we're we're we're, we're front loaded for the next few weeks. We're good. All right, I'll, I'll I'll yeah. I think that's the move. I think I will go one at a time here. Yeah. Um, this first one that that will be our this week's me- meme description of the week. <laughs> um, it is a uh, black text over a white square at the top of the meme. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it says, <laughs> it says the. The bumper sticker on my car, quote. Yeah, okay, yeah. The the bumper sticker on my car, quote, honk if you think I'm sexy, end quote. <laughs> and then uh, it says, me not moving my car after the traffic light turns green. Uh, this colon is like this image is, is my reaction when that uh-huh. happens. Um, and it's it's the image of... Um, well, actually, so it, it's it's an image of... Now that I look at it, of Tobey Maguire, he's in the Spider-Man suit, but he doesn't have the, uh, I, I don't know which one 
this, I think this is from Spider-Man three. Uh, he's, he's not wearing the mask and the, the quote at the bottom of it says they love me. Uh, but it's been, it's been put inside of some sort of like sedan. Like it's been, he's been photoshopped behind the wheel of a car. Uh, he's saying they love me because they're honking, uh, <laughs> because they're mad that I'm not moving, right. but I'm, uh, you know, sort of. Fooling myself we into have, this. We have reached new heights. <laughs> we be then thinking that I am sexy. There's um, a, a Norm Macdonald quality to the. No, 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 no. Let me. But then the next part of this. <laughs> just like is there, is there more to the story? Oh no, man. Uh, I, I think <laughs> wait, wait till I finish it. <laughs> you know, I I, I think that's uh, a bit of a dip from the previous. Uh, memes that joseph has sent well, sure we'll the, bar- the, the barbadian child falling over like michael myers yeah <laughs> right that was i think that was a good halloween meme um this you know this is this is fine that's that's you know the content that keeps the internet running but uh we'll uh we'll have to see we'll have to see how how we rate out the others joseph thank you for stocking us up thank you for yes. giving costcoing us on these memes <laughs> We'll be living off these memes for years. Oh man, put these in our meme bunker for the, the apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, guys, next week, in celebration of my 34th birthday, we're going to be doing something special. We're not going to tell you what it is. Um, mm-hmm. But you're going to find out, and um, we're going to get through it together. That's all I, that's all I can say. And it was going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I've been Tyler. I've been Alex. Hey, I've been Britain on one of my last days of being 33. And as I look back now at the uh-huh. end of my life, uh-huh. I find myself thinking of memories yeah. of meals, of times, of films, of clouds, of brooks, of sure. malls and crooks, of oh. of TV shows and books. That's what I should have said. I don't think I've met a crook. Mm. Well, we all have in some way, am I right? Um but I welcome you all into what next will be the 34th year of my life to share with you and uh, <laughs> to yeah. share with our audience. But until then, and from then, you are and will be having had a good night. I agree. Ditto. Ditto.